You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Hi, welcome to Nick Luck Daily. It's Tuesday, the 26th of September. Plenty going on in the racing world. We are building up, of course, to the Qatar Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe this Sunday. Uh, another forfeit stage today, supplementary day tomorrow. Be interesting to see just how many, if any, but we're, we're expecting one certainly, are supplemented into the Arc. And, and today really exists as a, a deep dive into the Arc de Triomphe. We start initially with news that uh, broke at the start of the week that Baybridge was confirmed as having the Arc as his, his intended targets. And the assistant trainer at Sir Michael Stout's yard is James Savage, who joins me now. Uh, James, exciting news that Baybridge is heading for the Arc. Yeah, it is exciting. Um, we we talked about going a mile and a half at some point during the year, and um, unfortunately, the ground in the pre-foy was quite quick that weekend, and the September Stakes was the perfect race to to try him at twelve for the first time, and he stayed well. So um, then, after that, I suppose the arc was the obvious target. Uh, with there's also a three-week gap to the Champion Stakes, so that's that's generous and. Um, yeah, so we'd have a look at that also. Off the back of his champion stakes win, James, where are you now with him? Ha- has there been any frustration or disappointment with his year so far? Or or are you always expecting him to, to come good in the autumn almost? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think it's frustration. I think we just learnt that the horse needs good ground or easier ground. I, I mean... Hmm. The great, even big race at the Curra when Luxembourg beat him, and he just he just lacked a gap there, two down, and he just got going a bit late. But that was that was that was a super run, and I just think that summer ground is, is just isn't his thing. You know, he's he's a horse that likes good ground or or, or ground with an ease in it, or even soft. You know, so mm. we were always we were always sort of just going through the summer thinking about the autumn campaign, and that's where we're at now. He's a good he's a fresh horse. Um, He's, he's in great shape and we're, we're very much looking forward to the weekend. And I, I often felt in his early career, um, there was a sense that um, that yourself and others in the yard perhaps really saw him as a future mile and a half horse. Yeah, it was something we've always talked about. But while he was being so effective at 10, um, we weren't in a rush. But it was, yeah, so that's the September stakes came at the perfect time uh, to you know, to step up and then have a go at the arc, you know. And it's funny that there's not much rain around in Paris now. Not that we're going to get, we're going to get lightning quick or anything like that, but almost you sat there thinking, wouldn't mind a little bit of rain because it certainly won't inconvenience our chances. No, I mean, there, there was 17 a mil there Friday. There was rain on Saturday. So the ground was described as very soft, which we would interpret to close to heavy, I'd say, mm. um, on Sunday. So the, the forecast a dry week, Temperatures of twenty five to twenty seven throughout the week, but I personally I can't see it getting any closer than good to soft. Right. Um, and good ground's fine for us, you know. We just, you know, there's no, there's a misconception he has to have ease in the ground. It, good ground is fine. Okay, and as you say, if he comes out of that all right, or whatever happens, um, that there's there's no reason why he couldn't try and back up the champion stakes, right? No, exactly. Yeah, yeah you got three weeks, three weeks to the well, just a day under three weeks, obviously. Mm. Um, He'd be back in his own stable sun, uh, Monday evening. So and, and he's a horse that takes his racing very well. He's a big, strong athlete. So there'd be no reason why he couldn't back up. Just an update on a, on a couple of others. Nostrum, first of all. Where are we with him, James? Yeah, Nostrum, I think Barry Mahan said yesterday that it, it, there's lack of targets now with um, you know with autumn ground as well. So I would think that that's him now for the season. We've done all the checks on him after York when Ryan wasn't quite happy with him. Um Nothing came to to, to to sight, so we'll um, we'll train him. We'll train him for the spring and see where we're at. What what do you Maybe think? Some mile to start, you know. So a race like that, the boss likes to start start him off there. Mm, there you go. You you've half answered my question. So um, you see, he, he's an out and out miler, is he, for his four year old campaign? You think? Yeah, he's got a lot of speed. This horse, I, I, you, you know, I, I think he's a miler personally. I do. Okay, and passenger, another one stumps for him this season. 
Yeah, we contemplated the, um, obviously delighted to get him back to Windsor and back in winning ways and um, he did it nicely. Well, he only won ahead, but he did it nicely. He, he relaxed and he picked up lovely and got there and done the job, came out of the race super. We did contemplate the Canadian International being back at 10 furlongs for the first time, uh, but the logistics were, were quite tough for, for a young horse that's only ran four times, so we'll we'll mind him now. Uh, again, we're probably running out of options with him, so it might be in the spring we'll see him again. And again, um, have you learnt that, or is 10 furlongs likely to be his ideal, do you think, next year? I think so. I think he's a very, very much like his sire, Ulysses. Um, tendency to like good ground, top of the ground, 10 furlong horse, but did stay at 12, you know, he ran well in an arc, if you remember. So I don't think staying 12 will be, asking him to stay 12 will be out of the question. It'll, it, it might be tested at some point, but um, we'll certainly start at 10. Appreciate your time. Thanks, James. Thanks, Tom. So we've heard about uh, Bay Bridge running this weekend in the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe. Uh, delighted to say that uh, French correspondent Adrien Cunhas has joined me uh, from Jour de Gallo to, to have a deep dive into this year's likely field, Adrien. How close are we, as we sit here, what, mid-morning on Tuesday, to knowing the likely final field for the Arc? I, I think we have a quite clear picture. There are still 14 horses in the race. Maybe there's going to be a few late entries tomorrow. Why not? Uh, maybe Adrian O'Brien will try to enter continues tomorrow. But uh, for the French horses uh, and for most of the foreign horses too, that's quite quite clear. Uh, only one horse uh, is gone from the list. It's the Jessica Rinton trained Spruwell that was... Uh, removed from the list, and uh, for the rest, it's, it's, it's quite clear. And uh, there is still all the horses that are the, the most expected, including Ace Impact, Fizz of Flame, the Japanese Philly, Baybridge, Westover is still here, Ukum, so and Emily Dickinson for Aiden O'Brien. So all, all, all the big guns are still here. You touch on the the supplementary stage tomorrow. So there are, there are two possibilities as things stand, right? Which is continuous, the St Ledger winner, and a fantastic Moon, um, yeah. who who was going to go to Baden Baden, obviously missed that, but because of um, conditions there, and then one of the one one of the key trials. Now, um, I spoke to his rider on this podcast of, about a month or so ago, and and he all but ruled out the arc because he's a good ground horse. But it, it's it, is it still a possibility? Yeah, and 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 uh, Lars Baumgarten that uh, that is ruling the syndicate Liberty Racing just said like five minutes ago that the arc was not out of plans. You know the fact is that when they built uh, Longchamp Racetrack on one side you have a river, on the other side you have uh, you you have a forest, and it's in the wind corridor. So it's not a place with a very stable climate. Things can change very quickly. It's not going to be a bog this year for sure. But it varies. It, 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 uh, it can change quite quickly from being soft, good to soft, or, or good ground. I think that the clerk of the course is still saying that it's going to be good to soft or something close to that. But you know, I mean, all the race goers that have been to Longchamp know that things can evolve quite quickly. So I think that the the entourage of, of, of uh, Fantastic Moon is, is waiting the last minute to to uh, to have a better idea of what's going to be the ground and and may, and it's going to be a, a ground dependent uh, choice but it's not easy because the, the the fee to have a late entry is very expensive it's i think it's 125000 it's which is quite significant especially for a racing club so i don't know i think they they really really want to have the maximum information on the ground before uh, uh, spending that that type of money. Yeah, you need to finish fifth to get your money back, 128000 I think, is for fifth. So um, I see that that's a, that's a huge decision for them. I mean, it does as things stand. I mean, it's looking like sun and 26 degrees on Sunday, which is fairly unprecedented for Sunday of the Arc, right? Yes, surprisingly, my colleague Anouis Echevin did a very uh, nice, interesting uh, study about ground in the arc. And if you look at the last two decades, fifteen of 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 these arcs they were running good ground, good to sort or soft. The heavy 
uh, ground was only seven of the last 22 arcs. So he, 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 when he when he's when really uh, pouring rain, he probably he stays very much in the memory of everybody. But most of them mm -hmm. were not in horrible conditions. This, and this is interesting because I, I'm sure I remember a couple of years ago there were high-profile um, people in France uh, in French racing talking about moving the arc, talking about moving it earlier in the year. I, I know that wasn't that was never really on the table, but it was definitely mentioned because of unsatisfactory ground. I have, we have some apocalyptic edition, we, I have to admit. But also there is another thing is that my colleagues that mailed all, all, all the math shows that uh, when it's on, on good ground or softish ground, the strike rate of three years old is very high, it's like 66%. But when it's really heavy, the, the strike rate of three years old is divided by two and it's much more harder. So it's going to be interesting to see what the influence of, of the ground will be on, on, on the generation. I know the attitude to the first soft ground is not linked with the age, but there is something maybe linked with the, the strength of, of the horses and, and the fact that um, uh, three years old, some of them or many of them, they had to battle very hard earlier in the year with, in the classics. So they come to the arc with, uh, with, um, with, uh, they are given a lot during the season and some older horses, they have made the arc their main target. And that's, that, 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 that's a big difference, even for high quality three years old. So that's interesting, particularly with a horse like Ace Impact. So the, the likely three year olds, Ace Impact continuous, feed the flame, Mr. Hollywood, as you say, Spreewell's been, been taken out. First of all, um, of the French-trained three-year-olds, in your opinion, how much better is Ace Impact than the rest? I I, I think he has shown an, an, an outstanding quality, and I think he's really on, on top of the list. But I think also on the arc, there is also... Um, it's a special race with a lot of runners, with uh, with probably a different pace than we will use with you. We usually have in France, and you have to be uh, very often able to handle with situations inside the race that you wouldn't handle usually. So experience is also extremely important, and 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 a, and a, and a horse that needs to be easy to ride is a massive plus. Uh, it's simple. He, 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 he seems to be all like not so easy every time, but on the other hand, they seem so much conf so confident. That's that's quite impressive. And also, they really make a bet on bringing uh, a quite fresh horse because he has quite a lot of time since his, his last race. So, so uh, I think all system goes and feeds the flame. Feeds the flame. He, he, he has he, he has lots of class. He has lots of stamina. Uh, on, he's very effective on, on soft ground, but again, he, he's not a horse with 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 uh, with a massive experience, and and the fact that he's been beaten by Fantastic Moon in the trial, he he, he um he have made both a few doubts, not not for his trainer because his trainer said it was it was just a prep and the horse was was not at his top and and, and they were trying to. Was by step for, for for the big goal, but uh, um, it, it was so much. There was so much attention around the horse in the prep that seeing seeing him beaten from with that margin was was a bit stressful. But uh, I mean, Pascal Barry is a man of experience. Uh, he knows he, he, he's probably one of his last runners in in the arc. So uh, I mean, he, he probably uh, have tried to focus all on the preparation of the horse on the big race. Uh, as far as Sim Camilla goes, um, uh, this horse was a possibility for the uh, King George, where we would have seen how how he would have fared uh, against the likes of Hookham and, and Westover. But I uh, remember the trainer suggesting in the build-up that the ground wasn't going to be suitable. He's another horse that is considered better on better ground. Is that right? Absolutely. He really needs that. And that's why, you know... Uh, as we said earlier in, in the discussion, like things are going so fast in terms of ground launching that when we, you have this kind of window with a strong possibility of having a, a, a good or good to soft or a not too not too soft ground like this weekend, with us like Sim Camille, you have to try your chance because even if he stays in training at five years old next year, 
it could be every ground. So if if you really, f- I mean, and on top of that, they really have to try the chance this year because because it's really open. I know there is very strong chances like Westover, Ukum, or Ace Impact, but they don't come with the profile of unable or, or, or of of horses of that caliber. Probably they would gain that kind of uh, level after the race. But it seems to be pretty open, of course, for the victory, but also for for the places. So that's why this year you have many people that are trying their chance because uh, the ground seems to suit to many horses. It's not an extreme ground. And and also the the, the level of the race doesn't seem uh, as strong and the field as deep as is sometimes have been in the past. So people want to try the chance. So this interests me with Ace Impact. But where is he in, in, in French hearts at the moment, Adrien? Because this is an unbeaten Prix de Jockey Club winner. Why, why isn't this horse um, a national favourite certainty for the Arc de Triomphe? What, what are the doubts there? And, 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 and are there any questions about how well he's been received in France or how good the, the French people think he is? Um, because, I, 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 as always, like it's really hard to win a classic race and the Arc on the same year. Like for example, in, in we are the, the arc is organized for one century, and never ever a German Derby winner, for example, won the arc. And and Adler Flug was the first German Derby winner to produce uh, an arc winner. It's really hard. I mean, you see, it's all the derbies, uh, English derbies and Irish Derby winner. Lots of them are, are struggling in the arc. It's really hard. And 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 up to now, it, 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 it coming from the French Derby to to the arc is 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 really hard. And that's probably what. Also make people doubt. They don't. Nobody doubts about the class of the horse. He, have, he has done some amazing things, but but it's a massive challenge. And and if you look to to the stable with the greatest uh, um, quantity of stamina three years old in the history of, of of the last decades in Europe, this is Ballydoyle. They, they have raised thirty one three years old over over the years in the arc. And only one finished in the top three. It was Aisha Paral two decades ago. And they came with high caliber, caliber free as all, but it's really hard again. So it shows you as hard it is. That's a striking statistic. So, so only one place from 31 Validor three year olds. And, and we, uh, again, it, it's hard to make a peak at two time of the year, uh, mm. a three years old, like, because obviously, uh, I, I'm loving the arc as, as as a French uh, journalist and as a French race goer, but classic make uh, stallion making races are the classic. It's not the arc, uh, and 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 so I, I'm sure if you're in the position of having a, a stallion prospect, you want to win the classic because this is what makes stallions, mm. and 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 uh, and and, ne- and neither the arc or the king draw or all this kind of uh, uh, multi generation races are stallion making races so uh, I understand why they they put everything to to, to win the guineas or or, or the derby and after that it's just a plus and and I remember great horses like Camelot and and outstanding horses coming to the arc and being well beaten and it was not by a lack of qualities just like they had a very strong preparation for the classics and a lot of battles and it's it's tough for 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 Citroen horse, and and we may have the one two depending on what happens with Fantastic Moon from the German Derby uh, with um, Mr Hollywood in there. But as you say, there the three year old German record is poor. Yeah, exactly. And well, the statistics are made to be beaten and <laughs> to be proved wrong. I wish for them for the Germans that they do well because like it's a, it's a country with its with its issues, but people that are still racing and breeding this country have, have so much patience. So. I wish they would well or even win because the best horse needs to to win for for the race. But 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 it's not easy. It's not easy. And uh, Uncle Grover seems to be very enthusiastic about Mister Hollywood. So 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 we shall see. And 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 all his entourage uh, uh, seems to be very very excited. So it's, it's going to be it's going to be in, in, interesting to to see him. I think I think uh, they, they were considering they're considering to bring Sisfan. He's, he's been entered, but Sisfan now is far 
less effective than than what than was younger. So so it's not easy. And Fantastic Moon, we shall see. But there are, um, uh, if if you listen to what the entourage is saying, there are there have a few doubts. They, so it's it's not easy when you come to a race like this one, and it's not a certainty. So, but we, we shall see. It's going it's going to be it's, it's going to be interesting. One Japanese representative. Now, for me, as a fan of the arc, and and a, a, and I would love to see the Japanese finally win it. That's a, a shade disappointing, but it only takes one horse to win the race. How do you assess through seven seas? So, uh, I'm not a, an expert of Japanese form, but my colleague, Anne-Louise Echevens, she's like fond of and passionate and expert of Japan. And uh, according to her, this... This, this is a, this is a good filly, but she's probably not one of the greatest uh, they ever bought. So on the one hand, she's not uh, off favor of this kind of horse, but on the other hand, it, it seems to be a pretty open arc, and it's probably the edition where the ground could suit uh, a Japanese horse. So if you have to run the arc with a with a with a filly on from with this type of rating, it is the is a good year to try your chance. But in terms of rating, uh, if you look to the fillies of this age that won the arc, uh, she, she she doesn't have uh, a rating high enough to, to to this kind of challenge. So, but you you have to try your chance, and sometimes you have a urban sea winner or or fillies like that that nobody really expected or Solimia also, which was a, a massive surprise. So I understand why they do it, and it's a, it's a beautiful challenge and. And we have to we have to be very thankful for the Japanese to 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 try the chance and to be such a they are really sportsmen they really love racing and uh, and very often when they come to Europe they they make the sacrifice of a lot of prize money in Asia and 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 uh, to to try the chance in in that race and that's mainly for the sport because this one is not a cover of many mares being a filly so it's a uh, it's something that uh, I have. Uh, I'm quite impressed with this kind of sportsmanship. Finally, if uh, the horse who you fancy to win the race is drawn well on suitable ground, who is that horse, Adrian? Um, that's that's a bit. Uh, I really like Ukum. Maybe, 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 uh, maybe uh, you know when when the horse is not in your country, you you. You don't know as much as a local journalist, so I only see maybe the, the positive things about him. But I really like Okum, and it would be interesting because it would be the first arc of of Shadwell, and uh, um, I think he has a, a lot of things for him. And uh, um, uh, I, I've been quite impressed by him. But um, I know there is many in France, many people that probably tend to favor Ace Impact or, or Westover, but uh, I've, I've been quite imp- impressed by Okum. Adrian, thanks for your time. Welcome. Have a good day. Well, we've talked much about the ground and we know that the Westover team are going to be pretty happy that there's not a huge amount of rain forecast. Uh, Rob Hornby will ride again and uh, I'm sure you're looking forward to getting back on, Rob. How is he as far as you know? Hi there, Tom. Yeah, no, um, fantastic to be having another crack at this. And um, yeah, the, the, he is um, he's in great shape, really good form. Um, very happy. We, we took him on an away day to Salisbury for his last piece of work we did a, a you know real good strong piece there which was kind of what he needed after the break he'd had after Ascot um and he's come out of that well um it, it, you know just put that edge on him and, and got that last bit of fitness where we wanted him really um and then he was a, able to have a bit of an away day at the beach which he enjoys he, he did it last year and he's done it before some of his big events and um seems to just just be a nice um change of scenery for him um and i've I've just finished that race this morning and uh had a sit on him so so very happy really we're just counting down the days now obviously you know a good bit about hukum at least who you're you're taking on again were you beaten by the better horse at Ascot, or or is is there a way that you approach longshaw and think we can we can have him um yeah interesting one really um you know, obviously, we have to we have to turn that around. Not just only with Huckham, but the, you know, there's that and there's plenty of others in, in in the field that um, you know are very good and talented horses. But um, it, as far as Huckham is is involved, yes, we do need to 
to turn that result around and um, it's it's a hard one to say it was a beaten by a better horse you know I'm not sure it, you know there's there's things that you know we had a bit of a wide trip we had a bit of a you know there was a, a lot of dead wood as, as we were turning in that we didn't really want to be following so you know getting the run on the outside was 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 the run that I chose and I was kind of given on the day so um yes he, he has to overcome that but um you know to, to to see the performance and what what he put in at Ascot shows that he's still improving which is you know the, the most exciting part of it all and he's had such a good four-year-old campaign not he's not run a bad race and you know he's very impressive in in Saint Cloud and and then to step forward again to to um to just go down ahead in a such a titanic battle and a, a race for the ages of what the King George really deserved it was um it just showed that I, th- I do think he's still improving which is which is the most exciting part and how do you see him at, at a mile and a half do you see him as a strong stayer at the trip do you see him as a horse that's got a, a good turn of foot at a certain part of the race yeah I, I, I just think um, he's growing up a lot Westover and he's, he's he's really becoming a man and I think you could see that at, at Ascot in the in the performance that he put in but he's also getting a lot easier to to manage and you know he's settling very well in his races he he was a bit fresh in in Dubai at the start of the year and then each run from then on he's he's seems to be maturing physically uh, mentally as much as he is physically and um which makes makes a jockey life for a jockey a lot easier because you you, you wouldn't want it to turn into a tactical slow run race where they sprinted turning in because that wouldn't suit him he, he's a He's a just stare and he stays a mile and a half very well. And, um, you know, it's looking like a fair week in terms of the weather-wise. If we could just have similar conditions to Ascot, I'd be very happy. But, but like I say, in, in terms of his, the way the way his run style is, is that stamina is, is something that he has in abundance. And, uh, you know, you won't want to, to take that away from him, it, you know, if it was a, a tactical tactically run race and turned into a sprinter it wouldn't suit him mm. um it's a hugely exciting racing prospect i'm sure you're looking forward to it best of luck thank you very much tom okay let's head out and find nick i really feel nowadays we don't cover italian racing nearly enough but i've been given the perfect excuse to do so because sunday was the 2023 running of the grand premio di merano not to be confused with milano merano which is italy's most famous jumps race and as luck would have it i mean i like to call her my italian correspondent but francesca kumani itv racing's francesca kumani was on hand to witness this uh, great event um cheska tell me about the grand premio di Murano and how big a deal it is in in italy well nick i was listening to your show today so monday and you were doing a wrap-up of the big races around the world over the weekend and i thought it's a shame that the Grand Prix di Merano didn't get a, a look in because it is their biggest jumps race of the year. It's a Group 1, it's over 5,000 metres, 24 obstacles. And um, I was lucky enough to be there at the weekend. And it was just, it was a great experience because Merano, firstly, is a beautiful place. It's nestled in the mountains um, in like the northern part of Italy, so pretty much in Austria. And, um, and not only is it a gorgeous place, but they're super passionate about their racing there and um, it doesn't get enough of a look in and unfortunately that's because it feels like it's been a bit on the decline recently but um, there's a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of passion behind the races in Merano. Okay so what sort of horses would you find jumping in Italy generally? These horses um, needed to be a bit versatile because it's a steeplechase but it's quite a big mixture of fences so you've got quite kind of upright brush fences you've got wood fences you've got um kind of little uh, walls and you've got a water thing that they that they go through so it's quite varied so you need a bit more of a kind of cross-country type horse um and there was a there was one french raider there was actually only one italian through and through horse because a lot of the italian horses now are trained in the czech republic despite being still owned by italian owners Um, so you need a pretty versatile horse and one that stays and one that jumps well, basically. 
I was going to say, you mentioned the Czech Republic. It sounds a bit like the Pada Beachy, though maybe not quite as fearsome and probably with a rather prettier scenery. Yes, I think you summed it up well. Um, <laughs> yesterday's race was quite... Uh, there was quite a lot that happened because there's one owner that has gone into the game quite in, in, in a big way of late and he had a few runners in the race, including a horse called Lestran, who'd won the race the last four years. And he had a few in there that set off at a pretty strong tempo. And unfortunately, Lestran came down at the big oxer, which is four and a half metres wide. He, he misjudged it. And then two of his other runners also came down at another fence later on. But I think that was quite tempo related because they went pretty quick considering it was 5,000 metres and they'd had quite a lot of rain in the lead up. Um, so it was quite adventurous. And the race itself was won by... Uh, Felix de Giles, who had actually picked up the ride at the last minute because that horse's uh, regular jockey hurt himself the day before, hurt his shoulder. So Felix had actually come for a ride earlier in the day in a Group 1 three-year-old race over hurdles, won that, and then stuck around thinking there might be a spare ride going. He picked up the ride on a horse called First of All, and uh, and they won. So you're there on a on a broadcast. Um, a different? going have you done have you done much television in italian before no none none somehow i've managed to get to quite a ripe old age without having to talk in italian on television and i was quite nervous because i uh, i can speak italian but when it comes to the more technical side of things it's pretty lacking so it was a bit frustrating because there was words i wanted to use to you know describe the horse and talk about the day that uh, that weren't coming to me or that I don't have the knowledge of. Um, but the Italians are so nice and they're so easy, easygoing and they help you out wherever they can. I did, It did make me laugh, the, the production meeting the day before, because there are a lot of people that don't work together that much throughout the year, but they come together for a big day like this. And it, as you can imagine, it was typical Italian style, everybody talking over each other and a grand casino, as they would say. And it, uh, it did make me chuckle. It was great. <laughs> um, where next on your travels, Cheska? Where? Oh, nowhere. I, I, it's about time I put my feet up next. Seven months pregnant and I get through the rest of the season. Champions Day at the end of October. And, uh, and then, yeah, definitely put my feet up properly well if this was a due in december i should mention if this was a final hurrah before you have to go into winter quarters and have your your third baby then i think it sounds like a, a delightful one and i think we all ought to head there next year the grand premio di merano won by felix de giles cheska thanks so much thanks Nick. time for a domestic roundup then with the racing post jonathan harding but first things first jonathan it is the arc and i'd love your your opinion on um, what's holding up to be a, a, a tremendous race and one which, unlike the last two years, hasn't um, hasn't been sort of half scuppered, scuppered by the ground or at least plenty of horses' chances scuppered by the ground. We should have a fair surface. Yeah, morning, Tom. It's um, a very different arc this year compared to previous seasons, like you say. Firstly, it, it's pretty wide open as far as they go you've not sort of got that enable in there coming in at a short price or another real big fancy obviously ace impact the french three-year-old comes in with a decent reputation and is sort of the the talking horse if you will the one that we hope is going to be reasonably exciting uh, but other than that it's it's fairly open and and the ground is going to be like you say, much fairer, I think. The last few times, I have the distinction of having worked there three times and never seen a British or Irish winner. And I think a lot of that is to do with the fact it's been run on fairly attritional ground. I think it's going to be very different this time. It's really, for me, a case of that French three-year-old form versus the older horses, the ones that have been there and done it. And that's the, the likes of Westover and Hookham, who I think are going to have massive chances for... Rafe Beckett and Owen Burroughs. That's the King George 1-2. All right, let's turn our attention domestically. Some key bits of news. Um, first of all, Dylan Cooner moving into uh, William Jarvis's yard. Um, a great move for him and um, uh, William Jarvis will be greatly missed. No, he will. And he leaves behind a fantastic legacy, not least because William Jarvis comes from one of those great racing families. But in his own right, 38 years as a trainer, some fantastic horses in that time most recently. Lady Bothorpe. So it's sad to see him deciding to call time on his career, but great to see Dylan Cunha coming in and, and taking advantage of this opportunity to train at Phantom House Stables, which is such a historic yard. 
he's been renting 25 boxes down at the bottom of Phantom House uh, since launching his training business last season with only three horses. And this year, he's had a fantastic season. He's had 11 winners from 60 runners. He won a big 100 grand handicap at York's Ebor meeting. Let's not forget he's a Group 1 winner in his own right over in South Africa and a highly ambitious man. So I can just see him not having too much difficulty filling these extra boxes next season. He's uh, potentially one of the rising stars of the training ranks, which is great to see some fresh blood coming in. Uh, there is a, a hearing for um, jockey Robert Tart. Hasn't ridden since July. Um and I think that hearing is, is pretty much imminent, you were telling me. So um, whether or not something's changed by the time people at home or wherever you are, are listening to this, I, I'm, I'm not sure. But I think only right to, to bring listeners up to speed with where we are at present, Jonathan. No, of course. So that that is happening this morning. So this is flat jockey Robert's heart is appearing before the independent disciplinary panel. Uh, that panel is going to consider whether he tried to mislead the regulator by suggesting he was unable to provide a hair sample because he was travelling to Dubai on March 27th, when this wasn't the case. That's the suggestion, is that he's essentially misled the BHA, saying, I'm going to Dubai. He didn't actually go to Dubai. In the alternative, if that isn't found, the panel will also determine whether uh, the jockeys failed to provide a BHA investigator with evidence of his trip to Dubai when requested to do so. So it all centres around this inability to provide a hair sample and did he or did he not go to Dubai, did he or did he not mislead the BHA? Um, but like you say, Tart hasn't ridden since July. He's an interesting backstory in that he, you might remember, he had a pretty uh, rapid rise through the ranks, uh, but then called time on his career for almost four years after suffering from anxiety, came back in May 2021 and has been fairly steady since then. Um, but that's the background for Tart, and he'll find out today whether he's been found in breach of those BHA rules. And talking of moving to Dubai, um, this is something we've seen a, a growing trend of, I guess, of, of, of trainers uh, moving horses, moving yards and having satellite yards out in the, the Middle East. Now, it, I mean, the, the reasons for it are, are pretty obvious, I suppose. But the, the amount doing it now is, is is certainly notable. So run us through who is going to to have a yard out there and, and what you think this means for the British industry. Yeah, so starting with the first question, we've, we've got on Monday the news that George Baker will be increasingly targeting the Middle East. He's going to be selling his yard and, and leasing a few boxes. He says, and it's important to stress, he's not turning his back on British racing. But for his business, for his owners, for just making it work in terms of the returns, the Middle East is a no-brainer for him. He's been campaigning horses out there, particularly in Bahrain, for a while now, reaping the fairly sizable rewards that come with racing horses in the Middle East. And he's decided to make that a, a more concrete part of his business setup. Marco Botti, another, who's hoping to open a satellite yard in Dubai. There is a trend here. As for the bigger picture, it's incredibly complicated, but it's nothing new. Britain has always had a, a high quality of horse, so it's only natural that some of those will be, this is particularly in terms of the talent drain of horses abroad, equine rather than human. It's only natural that other jurisdictions are going to want to come in and, and buy some of those horses, particularly in the 90-plus rated brackets. What is new is that the rate of horses being exported and the rate of trainers now wishing to set up satellite yards middle east has a coordinated calendar it has frankly ludicrous prize money relative to britain um, insane returns and when you are a trainer when you are an owner and you have a horse and you have to weigh up the prestige of keeping a horse in britain and racing for relatively low prize money versus the massive financial incentive of either selling your horse abroad or having your horse based abroad for a lot of people it's just a no-brainer and it's worrying in terms of what that means for the competitiveness of british racing particularly over the winter and particularly in that 90 plus bracket absolutely and now as you say there's sort of a triumvirate over there with with saudi and uh, and bahrain and dubai there's a lot of opportunity although uh, bahrain and, and dubai do currently still race on on the same day, Friday. So I think if they weren't to do that, there'd be more opportunity. But there you are. 
Well, it's Tuesday, so time for our regular Bloodstock segment in association with Weatherbees. As I'm sure everyone knows, a hugely busy time out there for everyone working in the Bloodstock world at the moment, with yearling sales coming thick and fast. Goff's Orby sale starts today, and it's Tats Book One next week. Among those with a heavy workload are the Weatherbees Bloodstock team who research more catalogue pedigrees than anyone else. And these include the yearlings bred and consigned by Blue Diamond Stud, whose CEO Ted Vout joins me this morning. Ted, welcome along. It's uh, it's an exciting week next week. It's a big one. Yeah, a really big week. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's really it, it means a lot to the far, to the farm uh, to Imad himself. Um, you know, uh, we're trying to uh, to uh, do a cross section of things and uh, create a little bit of income for the farm uh, as well. We've just bought a, a new stud farm in America, and um, uh, next week's pretty important to uh, see if we can just put a little bit of uh, uh, money back in the coffers. Uh, the, the, the the new stuff on America is very interesting. We're, we're certainly going to come to that. Let's just, just run through the four, and it would be remiss of us really not to start with the half-brother to, to Nashua, who's by Dubawi, who's um, lot 35, and, I, and I'm sure going to command a lot of attention. Yeah, I mean, he's, he is, uh, you know... He's an amazing individual. Uh, you know, I, I, it's a little bit scary sometimes when you see a Dubawi that can walk and uh, has everything going for him and everybody that's seen him seems to hold their breath. Um, it's, it's never... <laughs> It's never over until the fat lady sings or dances or whatever they say. <laughs> but um, uh, and so I'm a little bit nervous, and um, you, you know that everything goes right. But you know he's in one piece, and he's still on course to going on Friday afternoon, and he'll be ready to show on Saturday morning. I, I guess that it's only really landing with me now. But that foul mistakes victory from Nashua had 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 so many more facets to it because actually I'm looking at this horse thinking. Um, the fact that she showed that much speed, obviously having originally been, you know, we'd hope that she'd get a mile and a half, but she showed so much speed that day that I, I guess for all her siblings, when they go to the sales, that could well be in the back of people's minds. It, it makes it all the more in, enticing and exciting. Yeah, yeah, I remember that day because it was pouring with rain and <laughs> we got absolutely drowned. But you're absolutely right, that that race, and I remember coming away from, from the racetrack thinking that race it just had everything in it, the speed, mm. um, I mean, you know, and, and this is by Dubai, so you're thinking that, that, that Miles going to be your optimum trip with any luck. And uh, I'd say if, if she has that influence, uh, if he has that influence uh, from her, from her, uh, to be able to be that amb- ambidextrous, then hopefully that will be good too. Uh, you've got uh, three others. Lot 364 I have in front of me, who's a, a See the Stars cult um, out of a, out of the mother who... Is is that that Im- Imad, um, Imad bought at the 2019 Arcana, Arcana Summer Sale? Yes. I mean, she's a, a Galileo mayor. Um, uh, she ha- has actually... Uh, uh, departed the shores and gone to a new farm in 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 America. Um, she actually was there a year before, so she's got a Palace Pier foal afoot um, over there, and she is part of our Roberto pro- project. Um, uh, so we have bred a number of mares to Blame and Temple City. Um, and uh, she's in fault to blame, um, trying to get, um, you know, I think um, Imad and I think we're young enough that we've still got another 10 years to see the produce of these mares <laughs> be dams of something to race in the next generation. And uh, hopefully we'll be sitting at 70 years old look, looking at some Group 1 winners. <laughs> so incorporating more Roberto Bud, this is all part of expanding the the, the Kentucky connection, is it? Yes, Um you know, we've got only we've got nine mares over there at the moment. We've got uh, you know when I started, there were thirty mares in all, in all of uh, of Imad and Blue Diamond, and we've slowly crept up to to forty. Uh, of those forty, uh, not the same, uh, not all of those mares that were added are in America, but some of them are. We bought a mare called Free Look. We bought a mare in Australia. We bought a mare um, Miss Concert Contessa. Um, and we're just slowly adding, um, you know, families which we uh, which we haven't got, and we're, we're placing them. You know, in America, we're, we have booked a nomination to Gun Runner, Tap It. Um, you know, we're, we're sort of um, 
we've got two <coughs> two two horses with uh, Brad Cox, uh, a justified old um, called I'm uh, a, a wonderful justice, um, who uh, won a graded stake uh, at the beginning of the year, and has just gone back to him having had some feet problems. Uh, which is now over and looked fantastic when I saw him. Um, and uh, I think, um, you know, that slowly, you know, free look as a mare that we bought at Facing Tips and that she's, uh, she's gone to him to see whether we can get a all black type. And then we've got a not this time foal that we bought, we brought back to England, but we're uh, going to break in here and send over to him to race next year. So there'll be a small, uh, small, um, uh, um, uh, stable of, uh, in training there and uh, I think we'll ever have more than you know, 15, 16 mares at the farm. We might take up the old boat border of some friends of his or, um, but sort of, um, we're just um, you know, we're going to enjoy the land it's a very good piece of land and we want to keep it under horse and um, see if we can we can fruit some we can uh, harvest some, some group one What's we'll, we'll come back to the other two lots um, at, at Tats next week. What's led to the to the expansion of the the whole project, if you like? Obviously, more runners in America, the expansion of the Broodmare Band in in the in particular the last couple of years. What, what, what was this? It was this sort of Imad, you know, sitting everyone down and saying, right, this is this is the direction I want to go in. Well, no, no, no. I, I sort of went up to the house at, uh, at Blue Diamond one day and, and um, he was chatting with his friends, uh, Khaled Almodar from Samir, and um, they said, well, what do you think um, about this land in in, uh, in Kentucky, Midway? And um, um, it happened to be owned by an Argentinian uh, who wanted a fortune for it. But that was the start of it, really. Um, I think uh, the justify, I think, probably, uh, which was wonderful justice, was probably because uh, he felt that probably be better off racing over there. So uh, we tried to sell him at uh, book one and failed to, and he went over there to Brad Cox, and that was the start of it. Um, um, so it's, it's sort of just naturally gone there. It's not been a purpose-driven um, uh, thing. It, it, we just sort of fell into it. We were boarding at Royal Oak, who did a fantastic job, um, and uh, and we just, he just. Uh, I remember years ago when they sent me uh, authorised as a foal. Um, and it wasn't long before they bought their own farm in Newmarket, and I think it's, I think it's actually just they like. Uh, I think uh, Imad likes to be in charge of his own destiny. I think mm-hmm. it's in his DNA to to own a farm and run it himself, um, and you know know exactly what's going into his horses and and try and give them that edge. Back to the other yeah. two lots then. So uh, four five two is a Lope de Vega, yep, and five one six is a is a Kingman from one of Imad's oldest families. Yeah, yeah. Both very nice horses. The Luke de Vega, obviously, we're hoping that um, Mike Ryan will be a, a candidate for him, you know, having bought um, quite a few. I mean, Luke de Vega is such an international stallion. And, mm. um, you know, he's liked by Japanese, he's liked by Americans, he's liked by the Europeans. And, um, you know, he deserves to be there. And, um, um, you know, we're, we're, we're hopeful for him. He's a good walking. You know, these have been selected from 20-odd 20 20 yearlings. Um, and we went through them and through them and through them. And, you know, even we had a two-down hot and, and we moved him to October 2, not because he wasn't, uh, he wasn't uh, you know, he wasn't up to book one. It was just we we, we wanted the creme de la creme in that sale, sale from, from our crop. Um, whether that's the creme de la creme when we get there from, from everybody else, I hope it is. Um, I, I'm very confident, having been to a lot of these sales over my life, um, you know, I think I think they're, they're, you know, they're four really, really good good horses. And the Kingman, you know, out of Nadia Promises, you know, the mayor um, is uh, has got a foal by Sayuni um, in Fulton, New Bay. We're, we're breeding, keep breeding her to the top stallions, and uh, we're very hopeful for Kingman. You know, Kingman, you know, he's a funny old stallion that uh, the trainers don't seem to like them as much as the breeders, and uh, and sometimes you get that. I don't know why, you know, 
um, whether it's the way they train or what, or what it is. But you can't take away, he's a fantastic sire and you know, he gets Royal Ascot winners, he gets uh, stakes winners all year round um, and he is, um, you know, he's a top class talent. Just on uh, which horses you send through the ring that you were touching on there, given what the Operation Blue Diamond is trying to achieve, Ted, is it the case that, for example, a Dubawi half-brother to Nashua, it, you are always going to send to the sales, or not necessarily? Well, no, I think what we decided this year was if we, not necessarily, no, I think if we weren't, if we didn't think he was profitable, I think part of the aim here is to have a, a, a profitable consignment that can actually put some bottom line uh, finances back into the operation. And I think if we if we had a an average Dubawi, we would probably have sat and thought twice about sending him to the sales and probably trained him. Um, Imad was very keen to sort of get a reputation for selling some of his very, very good horses. Yeah, sure, he's keeping some. Um, he's, no, he's not keeping any Dubawis. He's not keeping uh, any, of the, uh, any of the top ones. We're selling the top ones here or we're offering them. Um, you know, he, the, the, you know he, he's not going to give them away, but he's not going to go mad either. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, the aim is to sort of put, a, put some profit back into the operation and help pay so it doesn't become a uh, bottomless pit. I hope it all goes to plan next week. Tom, thanks a lot. Great. Just a tip from you, please, Jonathan, if we can. Yeah, I'm looking to end a bit of a losing run here, which I shouldn't admit, but it's Ithaca's Arrow in the 520 at Lingfield. Nobody remembers, you see. So if you want, I'll re-record and you can say, I'm absolutely flying. The last four have all gone in. (laughs) Better to be transparent. Better to be transparent. I've had a couple of near near misses on this pod, um, but this could be the day. Ithaca's Arrow for Dominic French-Davis and Asheen Murphy. Ran well at Newbury on the turf last time and looks the one to be back on the all-weather. Great stuff. Thanks ever so much. Thanks all at home for tuning in. Uh, do like and subscribe because um, it not only helps you digest everything we, we put out there, but it helps us as well. Great. Uh, no cost way of supporting this podcast. And Nick will return tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.